and amen. Well, let's just do that right now before we start. Let's humble ourselves, seek his face, and pray. Father God, we come to you today as your humble servants. Father, we thank you for the promises that you've given to us in your word. That if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek your face, that you really do hear from heaven. You really will hear our cry. And you'll forgive our land and heal heedless, Father. Father, we have that cry also for revival. We, we pray for that, Father, as we pray for revival. We pray for uh, a time of repentance, a time of confession. Father, we pray for your presence as we begin the season of revival. Father, we pray that you will just work a mighty work in our revival on a- in April. And we'll seek you, Father, and give you all praise and glory. Father, we just ask that you speak today as, as we deliver your message. Put your divine power upon the words that come from my mouth. In your name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. The title of the message, a little bit interesting, I guess, is, But False Prophets Arose Among You. Jim Frenchy back here in Sunday school tried to steal some of my thunder. So some of you are going to hear a little bit of this twice. We'll be in 2 Peter uh, 2. We've been in 2 Peter for the last, uh, last two weeks. I thought, well, we'll just, we'll just go another week of it and uh, see what 2 Peter has to say. It is talking about false prophets is what it's talking about. The disciples had, were gathered and were visiting with Jesus up on the Mount of Olives, it said. And Jesus has been teaching them about, uh, well, he told them that the temple, this beautiful temple, uh, would one day be torn down and that there will be signs and events of, of him coming back one day. And of course, the disciples, just like you and I, they, they wanted to know, what, uh, what kind of signs are you talking about? What does the future hold? What is, what is it going to look like, Jesus, when, when you come again? What should we be expecting? Should we be looking for certain things? And in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, Jesus gives us some of those signs. He tells us some of those things that are going to happen before he comes back again. Now, we don't know when he comes back, do we? I mean... Even Jesus doesn't know. The Bible says the angels don't know when he's coming back. Only God knows when he's going to tap Jesus on the shoulder and say, go get your folks. It's time. We don't know, but God knows. What a, what a blessing that will be. But we are to be alert. We are to read the word. We are to be able to read the signs that Jesus gives to us. And we know many of these signs. We've heard them before. And I'm just going to quickly go over those. And then I'm going to land on, on one of them today. And, and Mark 13 is where I took these signs from. We read about, and you've heard these before, that there's wars and rumors of wars will be coming about. And you just look at the news today. We've got rumors and wars and all that kind of stuff that's coming. Jesus said that's one of the signs of his coming. He said also in Mark 13, he said, there's going to be huge earthquakes. And if you know anything about what happened in the world today, the earthquakes are getting bigger and bigger and more powerful. 
The earth is shaking now more than it's ever shook in the history of our world. Jesus is coming back. He said there'll be great famines all across the world when there's not going to be enough to eat for people. That's a sign of his coming back. He talked about Christians will be persecuted and that people will hate each other. If we look around the world today, and if you've heard anything about the news, Christians all over the world are being persecuted. They are being drugged into courts and, and being killed because of the faith, just because of who they are. We, we see it in America today, don't we? That this, this conservative Christian voice are trying to silence that right now, even as we speak. They're trying to take the Bible out of schools. They're trying to teach things that are contrary to the beliefs that we have. They're trying to stop us from being able to be on the radio and the news. That's just a small token of persecution. I heard of about of a man that, the other day who was arrested in front of an abortion clinic. And all he was doing was praying. He had just bowed his head in prayer. And they came and cuffed him and took him away. That is Christians being persecuted. That's a sign of the times that are coming. We see that uh, portrayal between family members is going to be great. Children against their parents. Love for family will grow cold. And if you know what's going on in the world today, we see that. Children uh, attacking parents. And of course, that's what the world wants us to do, is it not? As they are teaching kids in schools things that don't need to be taught. I heard the, uh, one of the cabinet members of our president, the guy that, oh wait, the, the she that, well, the it, I, I don't know what they call him, but said in a few years, uh, transgenderism for young kids will be normal. You see, we live in a world where they're trying to take away the parental rights of our children and turn them against the parents. That is biblical. When you see that, you know that the God's Word has already warned you about that. Many will fall away from the faith. Many will turn their backs on their faith. That have maybe even been preachers in the past that fall away, the Bible says. That's an apostasy, the Bible calls that. Where we turn from our faith and we no longer believe what we believe. Jesus said, that's a sign of the end times. Lawlessness will increase. Just look at the news. Lawlessness will increase. Call somebody up in Chicago and see how it's going over there. Lawlessness will increase. The gospel must be preached in all the nations. At least one positive. And because of internet and because of the tech that we have now today, the Bible has been preached all over the world. You see, Jesus was pretty smart. He knew that there would be signs. He left these crumbs for us to be able to see what the end times would look like. And we must be aware and understand what he's talking about. But there's one that I did not mention. There's one that he mentions first. And that is from Matthew, uh, Mark excuse me, 13, 5, and 6. And it says this, and this is where we're going to try to land today, I guess. Matthew 13, 5, and 6 says this. See to it that no one misleads you or deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. 
what Jesus is saying there. There's going to be false prophets, false teachers, false preachers that will come and not preach the true gospel. They will preach a gospel of deception and deceit, but not from God's word. And I thought that was interesting, at least for me it was. That that was the first beware of that he mentions in Mark 13. Beware of false prophets. Beware of deception. And you and I know anytime something is spoken of first, and that's the head of the list, maybe that must be pretty important. Maybe that's be something that maybe we need to perk our ears up and, and say, whoa, what's he really talking about there? And I got to thinking about that. If you look at that list I just gave you there, every one of those deal with life here on this earth, how these events will affect the way you and I live. But this idea of false prophets and false teachers and false pastors, they will affect your spiritual life. They will expect, they will defeat you if you allow them to defeat you. You see, God's word is true. But if we begin to believe something that is not true, we begin to believe something that is not biblical. I can promise you as you begin to absorb that stuff in your mind that's not true, that stuff will take you down the yellow brick road of a road that's, that the Bible says it leads to death and destruction that will lead to separation from him in a place known as hell. Because you see, it's not biblical. It is not being taught that Jesus is the only way. You see, false, pre- false prophets do not talk about what, what God says in his word. He doesn't talk about the true gospel the true gospel being that Jesus came to live on this world, that man is a sinner and needs a saint, that Jesus died on a cross, rose again on the third day, and when you accept him as Lord and Savior, you have been forgiven forever and forever. That's the true gospel. And yet these guys who teach this and these women who teach that do not teach the true gospel. In Second Peter, let's look at what Second Peter said. I, I knew I'd get there eventually. It says this, and we're going to pull three things out of these verses that, that will be warned against because of these false prophets. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly in, introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgments from long ago are not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. I want to pull three things about false prophets that we need to understand. The first one that we see in verse 1 there, it says a false prophet will introduce destructive heresies that are not biblical. Destructive heresies that are not biblical. Things that they teach 
that are not in line with the Word. And here's some of those. I want to give you a, a warning because here they are that we hear. The first one that I've got is they say, well, we don't, we don't talk about sin because it is too uncomfortable for my people to hear about sin. That's not a positive thing that, that, that when we talk about sin. And yet they forget the fact that in Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understand and there is none who seek after the Lord. You see, it's important that we understand that as people, we were sinners and we are still sinners. Some of us have not been saved by grace and some of us have been. But they refuse to speak about sin because they don't want anybody leaving their back doors thinking, oh, man, that was a negative message. The second thing that they will espouse to, they say, a loving God would never condemn anyone to hell. You've heard that one. A loving God would never condemn anybody to hell. And as they do that, as you see on the board, they are denying the very existence of hell. Even though Jesus spoke more of hell than he did of heaven, they still want to deny that because that makes people uncomfortable and they don't want to hear anything about hell. Well, John 3.36 says it this way. He who believes in the Son shall have life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not have life. But the wrath of God is upon him. The wrath of God is upon him. And then you, then you quickly go to Revelation 20.15. And it says this. And if anyone's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. Which is known as hell. You see by them not teaching about sin them not teaching about hell without sin being taught without hell being taught there is no reason that we needed Jesus in this world you understand that we don't need Jesus if there's no sin and there's no hell because mankind's got to understand that they are a sinner in need of a savior and if you do not accept that Jesus is Lord and Savior. The Bible says you will spend eternity separated from Him in hell. And the false prophets don't want you to know that. You see why I say why Jesus put that one first? Because you follow that kind of thinking and that kind of theology. And down the road you go away from Christ forever and forever. I've heard the thought that, that the more money you give... <laughs> the more God's going to bless you. He can, but put a, put a, put a seed money of $1,000 into my ministry and God will bless you. I heard one pastor say, I've decided to give my church a whole bunch of money and I'm going to require that God bless me. What he's wanting is financial blessings. Did you know that? They're talking about financial blessings, that, that if you give, and God will really bless that. He can, but he doesn't have to. 
He's not required to. Can you imagine the thought process that goes into a pastor's mind that says, I'm requiring you, God, to bless me. You can't require God to do anything. God is sovereign. God's in control. He'll do what he wants to do. And yet we, we think that we can get financial blessings. What does the Bible say about financial blessings? Well, let me read a couple of verses to you. Matthew 16, 26. What does a profit a man? If he gains the whole world and, uses, and, and yet loses his own soul, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I don't see anything there about financial blessings, do you? Spiritual blessings maybe, but not financial. Matthew 6, 19, 20, and 21. Do not store up yourselves treasures here on this earth where moth and rust and thieves can, can get them. But store for yourself treasures in heaven what is protected forever and forever. For you, where your treasure is, there where your heart will be also. You see, the Bible takes a little different approach to finances, don't, don't they? I'm not going to... I can bless you if I choose to. If not, I won't bless you financially. But to me, the most blessings, the best blessings you can ever get are what? Spiritual. Spiritual as you draw closer to God, as you feel His presence, as you come and grow in His Word. That's what Jesus would be saying there. Another one that Jim talked about today. We, we hear on the false prophets teaching a doctrine that it's okay for someone in the homosexual lifestyle to be a pastor, to lead churches, to be part of a denomination, if you would, in leadership positions. And they think it's okay, even though God has called that lifestyle an abomination. Leviticus 18.22 tells us that. It says, you should not lie with a man as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. And yet denominations and churches are accepting the fact because God is love. We know that. <laughs> and yet they ordain these folks. First chapter of Romans, or we won't put that up there, but just go back and read that, what he talks about, that lifestyle. First Timothy 1.10, the same thing, that same lifestyle. And they do that, and they believe that, and they think that way. Because the next one says the Bible is no longer literal word of God. This word that many folks believe is not, no longer the word of God. I heard a preacher the other day that maybe has the biggest congregation in America. Says, this old book with so many authors and so many years between writings and stuff that this book needs to be tweaked. This book needs to be changed. And that we really can't stand on the promises of this world. 30, 40,000 people would have heard that from the pulpit. That's false prophecy. That's a false pastor. That's a false teacher. Because God's word does not say that. God's word says this, all scripture, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, 
so that you and I will be adequately equipped to do the work of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. All Scripture. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says it this way. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit from God. As God spoke through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit took those words and he gave it to those prophets and and put ink in that pen so they would write exactly what he wanted written in the word. I don't care what some guy with 30,000 in his, his attendance says. This is God's word. This is God's love letter. This book never changes. This book is and was and will ever be God's word. There are two things that last for eternity. Did you know this? Two things that will never, ever die out and go away. The first one is the soul of men. And the second one is the word of God. No matter what they try to tell you. That's why. They say, we don't need this book anymore. They say, culture needs to change this book. No, this book needs to change the culture. Hmm. One more. The idea that there are many paths to heaven. Many paths to God. You've heard this one, I think, over and over. That everyone will go to heaven. God is love. If you sincerely believe whatever you believe and it's sincere, God will accept it, they say. If you want to join a different religion and you're sincere about the way you're living, God will take that sincerity and say, come on in, boys and girls, that's okay. Or we have now the theory that all religions believe in the same God. That's just a different name, he says. Uh, probably the second biggest uh, congregation in America is now talking about that. That we all serve the same God. No, we don't. My God sent his son to die on a cross. My God has a son who is now alive and well, sitting at the right hand of the Father. I can promise you, whoever is the leader of, of Muslims or Hindus or Mormons, <clears throat> their leader is not sitting at the right hand of the Father. But yet, that is the theory behind us. And the Bible tells us that there's only one way to heaven. There's not many. It is very exclusive well, there's a word that'll get you in trouble if you say much about in religious circles. It is very exclusive because the Bible says why? John 14, 6. There is only one way to heaven. And that is through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And your false teachers and your false prophets will not speak that because it doesn't, doesn't sound good. God must be all inclusive, they say. No, he's not. He is exclusive. And he says there's only one road that will get you to heaven. And that road is very narrow and very, very, very small. And only a few people will ever get on it. And that is the ones who accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 15, be aware of these folks. 
Be aware of these folks because they, they come secretly into your churches and they speak secretly and they, they slowly introduce some of these, this garbage that's out there. And Jesus says, beware of those who come in sheep's clothing because inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They will destroy your church. They will destroy what you believe. And in the end, will destroy you for an eternity. You must beware. The second thing we see there real quickly, I'll move quickly. It says, the second characteristic of a false prophet is denying the master who bought them. What does that mean? It means, what does this person say about Jesus? That's what it's saying. What does this person say about, what's their theology with Jesus? The Apostle Paul, when he was asked by Jesus, who do, who do they say, who do you think I am? What did he say? He said, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. If you have heard anything that contradicts that fact, that is false prophecy. That's a false pastor who's saying that kind of garbage. Because Jesus is the only way. When you hear people that teach that, that Jesus is not God in the flesh... That's false. When you hear people say that that there's no way he was born of a virgin, that's false. Because he was born of a virgin. Read the Bible. If you hear people say, well, Jesus was a, Jesus was not perfect. Just the other day, that, that great reporter, Don Lemon, from what used to be on CNN, says, well, Jesus wasn't perfect. He had a lot of imperfections in his life. Anybody says that, that's false doctrine. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was perfect. Anyone who downplays the the sacrificial death of the cross of Jesus, who says that's not a big deal, that's false prophecy. Anyone who rejects the resurrection, who says there's no way that that could have happened, that's false prophecy. And that's stuff that we're hearing today. Anyone that says, well, Jesus he was a good teacher. He was a good man and did a lot of good things. But there is no way that guy could ever forgive any sin and for sure not be the son of God. We hear that. That's false. That is biblically incorrect. That is false teaching. And can you imagine sitting in a congregation where some pastor, some preacher, some yahoo is, is spouting that stuff and hundreds and thousands of people are hearing it and, and going, yeah, I think that's good. You see why he, Jesus put that number one on the list? Because if you start following those kind of folks, they will lead you down the wrong road forever and forever. 1 John 2.22 says it this way. Who is a liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. False preachers will also tell you about salvation. They will tell you salvation comes Jesus plus and fill in the blank. Jesus plus baptism. Jesus plus good works leads to salvation. Jesus plus giving money to the poor brings you salvation. No. That is wrong as wrong can be. Salvation comes from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it this way. For by grace 
you've been saved through faith. And not of yourselves is a gift of God. And not of works, lest any man should boast. See, you're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Your baptism does not save you. Your works do not save you. Anything you do is not save you. Because on the cross, Jesus finished what needed to be done in order to bring salvation to you. You hear people preaching in denomination and church saying, Jesus plus. You need to run out the back door and get away. Because that is heresy according to God's word. Third one, real quick, and I'll be done. I'm trying to get done fast. In verse 2, he says, they will follow their sensuality. And you skip to the top of verse 3. And in their greed. Almost all false prophets are selfish and arrogant and self-serving. Think about it, the ones that you see. They magnify themselves. They want to become very popular. They want to let people know they are somebody But they don't take time to give God glory and honor. They don't magnify God. They magnify themselves. They live a lifestyle that is not consistent with God's word. They live a lifestyle of the rich and the famous. Because they believe God has blessed them financially so much. I've heard a guy speak the other day. I don't listen to him much. I just hear stuff. He said, you know, I bought my first house. $18,000. He said, I bought my second house. I paid $81,000. And he said, this watch I got right here cost more than both of those combined. And he was proud of that fact. He flies around our country in a jet that cost him $52 million. His congregation paid for that. I could use a new car. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. The same guy has said, the reason Jesus has not come back yet, second coming, the reason he's not coming back is because you people have not been giving enough to the ministry, quote, unquote. How could you sit under someone like that that's teaching that heresy? I don't know. Satan is behind all that. He's behind all the confusion, all the perversion. They appear to be righteous. They appear to be holy. And yet the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. We must beware that false prophets are among us even as we speak. I would urge you not to read their books. I would urge you not to listen to them on tape. I would urge you not to give them the time of day. The Bible says, do not give the devil an opportunity into your life. Because if you listen to that garbage enough, you just maybe thought, think that maybe he's right. Well, what do you do? What do you do about that? Well, in Acts 17, 11, it says this about that. He says, but examine the scriptures daily. <laughs> To see whether these things were so. Examine the scriptures daily. I would urge you to examine the stuff that I tell. That I teach you every Sunday. That I speak to every Sunday. I don't have a problem with you going, where is that in the Bible? You should examine the things I say. You should examine the things they say. 
and see if it is consistent with God's word. And if it's not, you need to call me out on it. Let me know if I can't back it up. Every church in America needs to do that as they listen to people preach and teach about it. Jesus' first warning says about the end times, beware that false prophets are coming. I believe we're at the end of the end times. And I see these things coming about, things that Jesus said they're going to come about, and they're happening. And other prophecies are happening. We must be aware. We must be ready. Because the rapture could come at any time. There is nothing that has to happen in the, in the time frame of history that needs to happen before the rapture comes. I pray that you are ready. How do we know what a true prophet of the word is? Somebody that truly preaches his word? Number one, and I'll be done. The things that one teaches and the messages that he teaches, is it consistent with God's word? Is it consistent with God's word? If it is, that's, that's a true pastor, a true prophet of the Lord. Second thing I would tell you is, does the teaching and a message, does it encourage the people, you, to live a holy and a righteous life? A life where Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That is a true prophet, a true pastor. That he encourages you to grow in the faith. That he encourages you that, that your life is not the best life you're going to ever have, like one, one guy says. The best of you that you can have on this earth. No. Teaches you, encourage you to, to walk the walk. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling. To live like Christ is. To make decisions like Christ. That's a true pastor who encourages you to do that. There's his teaching and his, and his message. Does it reflect a lifestyle that is consistent with God's word? Do the way I live, does the way anybody else lives that is preaching, is it consistent with what God says? And lastly on that, does the teaching, does the, does the ministry, the things that the pastor does, does it acknowledge and bring glory to God and not himself? Is a message that is coming across, is it all about holy God and his son? We must be aware that things are happening, that Jesus is coming back. We must be aware there are false teachers out there. Go to the scriptures and find out what they're saying. Is it consistent with God's word? As we begin our invitation time, I don't know how God's spoken to you, but I would just, I would just think in my mind, Father, Show me, teach me, that I will have the wisdom to know what's right and what's wrong. That I'll have the, the passion and desire to, if I have a question, to go to the word of truth and find the answer. Father, teach me to follow you better. Teach me to have that wisdom to know what's right and what's wrong. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, that's the message for today. Beware. They're around us. Talk to the Lord. See how he's spoken to you. If he wants you, if there's something in your life that you need to confess and repent, do it. 
If you've never joined and joined up with us and you think God's will is calling you here, do it. Whatever God tells you to do, be open to him.